Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas. It's the second Sunday after Pentecost. Happy Father's Day. Happy Juneteenth. And our reading today comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. Thanks for listening. God bless you. The Holy Gospel according to Mark chapter 6. Glory to you, O Lord. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized Jesus and rushed about the whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven, and our risen Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. We are uh, in our new sermon series. This is called Good News for the Messed Up. And today we're talking about messed up relationships. How does that good news hit us where we live, right here in our lives, and what does it mean for the people who are in our lives, and those people God has called us to be with? We wonder that sometimes. Sometimes it's not easy being in those, those relationships, and all relationships go through ups and downs, I'm sure. My brother Josh and I are 30 months apart in age. We shared a bedroom until I left for college. We grew up playing baseball in the street and building forts and camping in the backyard, spending summers with our grandparents together. And as we got older, we both played in the Little League and were on the same wrestling team and had many friends in common. That's my mom's old Camaro. That's a pretty sweet ride. <laughs> I went to Florida State University. He joined the Marines, then went to Florida State University. There you go. You can, you can do it. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Might sound like we have a lot in common, uh, but we are different in so many ways. You can tell which one's me, right? Uh, yeah. The one who looks like Jacob. Exactly. That's what I thought was. You think so? Yeah. yeah. We are different in so many ways. He is. He was almost always bigger than me. Not in that picture, but there you get the idea. He was a better athlete, much better looking, far less geeky than I was in my teens. We fought a lot growing up. By the time I got a driver's license, I was gone most of the time, hanging out with my friends or working a job, hanging out, doing whatever teenagers do. We still spent time together on occasion. This was 2008, I think. Man, yeah, something like that. Today he lives in Florida with his wife and three beautiful kids. He is an attorney. He's running for county judge. We are on different sides of most political issues. We don't talk to each other very much. And I take the blame for that. I could have been the one to reach out more often. And the distance between us has at times seemed just too far to cross. But I love my brother. I'm proud of him. Sent him a text message last night to let him know that. Even though I don't agree with him on most things, I wish we could live nearby and hang out and raise our children together. And it hurts me sometimes not that we don't have that closer relationship. It's possible that time will bring us 
closer together. But it hurts not to have that. And I know that no matter what happens, he will always be my brother. The closest human relationship in my life for at least the first decade and a half. So maybe I'm not alone. Maybe you have someone in your family who's been far away or estranged or a relationship that's been stretched thin or that seems broken beyond repair. I've never liked that idea of just writing people out of my life. If you're in, you're in. And I believe that we are bound together, not just by the experiences of our lives, by blood or some other tribal identity, but by the love of God that makes us one. The letter to the Ephesians is one that is deeply loved in Lutheran circles. And this second chapter begins with an emphasis on God's grace in such a clear and powerful way that we still use these words as we proclaim forgiveness in our weekly worship. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Even when we were dead through our trespasses, we were made alive together. We were dead and now we're alive because of Christ. Made new. Not the result of works so that we don't go around bragging about it, how great we are. Not your own doing, it is the gift of God. The gift of God. Not the result of works so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. When I started to uh, get ready to go to seminary and become a pastor, um, people asked me, well, why, why the Lutheran church? And I was like, that, that's the first bridge to cross before you get in the seminary, I guess. I said, grace, there's only one answer, Grace. It's because we continually proclaim the grace of God in all things. That's why. And that's not unique to Lutherans, but it's our lens that we read the gospel through. It's that lens that we hear the good news. It's that lens and that that place where we we gather as, as people of faith at God's grace. But I think we need to remind of that, that we are what God has made us. And I think we need to hear that more often. It's easy to think I'm who I made myself to be. I am my accomplishments, my education, my work, my good deeds, my well-meaning words. That's who I am, right? I'm what God made me to be. That's a great blessing and a big responsibility. Paul, or the the author of this letter, maybe a disciple of Paul, is writing to people who were not Jewish, okay? They were outsiders. They had no part in the promises of the Savior, the Messiah. These Gentiles were known as sinners. Not because they were necessarily awful or immoral, though maybe some thought that way. They didn't hold to the law of Israel. That wasn't for them. So they were not included in the covenantal promises, the history, the family lineage, of those who could trace their heritage back to the God of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Rachel. They were some other family. Those other ones over there, we don't hang out with them. We don't talk to them. We don't get together with them. What what hope could those Gentiles have for the future? All that they could do was strive to work for riches or power or a legacy. 
And if that's all there was, well, nothing else mattered. Not family, not love, not service. Maybe those were good for some things, but the bottom line was you get what you get. You earn it all. It's all on you. It made no difference who paid the cost or who got crushed under the wheel of climbing some social ladder. And maybe this is being naive, but we realize some people still think that way today. Whether they believe it or not, they act as if there is nothing else to live for other than what they can do or build or earn. Even Christians are not immune from thinking that they are better than everyone else. Shocking, right? Today is Juneteenth, June 19th, now a federal holiday. Pretty cool. This is a day dedicated to service and a celebration of freedom. To be more specific, I'm always learning more about the history of this day. It is a remembrance of the day uh, that the Emancipation Proclamation, two and a half years after it was enacted on June 19, 1865, was announced and enforced with the arrival of over 2,000 federal troops and with great effort in Texas in Galveston in particular, where it was not yet received, not well received. Uh, a week, imagine that. The Emanci- Abraham Lincoln gives the Emancipation Proclamation and people in Texas act like it never happened for two and a half years. The governor in Texas of the time, name was Pendleton Murrah, fe- fled to Mexico with other Confederate leaders. Some white landowners took to even executing their enslaved workforce, rather than acknowledging their freedom. Eventually, the day would become a day of rejoicing for the black community and was first declared a state holiday in Texas, 1980. Took some time. But still today, it's not all barbecues and backyard parties. We know this. Our nation continues to find itself tangled in the threads of racism and oppression that have bound us for the last 400 years. People of color are still dying at the hands of white supremacists. And divisions persist even here in our city. We wonder how to mend these messed up relationships and systems that continue to persist in the 21st century. Many of us have pledged to acknowledge privilege and systemic oppression to take actions towards celebrating diversity in our churches and in our communities. We can do more. We must see each other with the eyes of God to acknowledge that we are one new humanity in Jesus Christ. That we don't get saved by our works, but we are made for them. Scripture says we are made for Christ. Christ has made us for good works. We're made for relationships that build up, that bring healing, that celebrate the beauty of the world and the people God loves so well. God's grace has come to every single one of us, to all, through the dignity of Jesus, through the cross of Christ, who loved us even when we were dead and without hope, outsiders, not welcome. God made it so. God included even those from outside the chosen people, God's beloved Israel, to be gathered in God's mercy. 
Now, even when we are estranged or at odds or upset with each other or stuck in anger and unable to move forward, we are one people of God, united in Christ Jesus. And I think that has implications for how we treat each other. We've all heard it. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's central to every, almost every world religion. Why don't we do it? Why don't we act that way? Something deep in us needs healing. We are one people of God, united in Christ Jesus. We are one church, confessing our sin, asking for forgiveness, approaching the table together. We are who God made us to be, brothers, sisters, Jesus' chosen siblings. Since God has put to death this hostility between us, between Jews and Gentiles, every division we face is overcome by God's grace. And the peace that God brings is the peace that belongs to all of us. No matter where you're from or how much money you make or any of that. We are all freed from sin and from death. Freed for love and service. Freed for healed relationships. Freed for new visions and dreams. Reconciled people and communities called to work towards safety and access for all. And I think what I've learned over the years is that I can't fix every messed up relationship in my life. What can I do? I can love people the best I can. I can be as patient as possible. I can try to handle myself in a way that is kind and fair. And I will still mess things up at times. I will still say the wrong words. I will still do something that leaves someone out. But I know it's not all up to me. Not all of it, but some of it is. But I know that God has gone further than I ever could to mend the whole world, bringing new life for every one of us graciously through the cross of Christ because we were all outsiders at one time, all without hope or a chance at being freed from the selfishness that clings to us and the hurts that we cause and the guilt that we carry. We had nothing, but God did everything. God brought us together, made us this church, and every Sunday there's a new church, a new assembly of people gathered. God made us new. Gathered us and grafted us onto the vine of Israel and made us alive together with Christ even when we were dead in our sin. Not because of our great deeds or righteousness or our beautiful singing voices, or the large checks we write, or our good-looking faces and trim bodies. No. God loves us all just as we are, messed up. Messed up for sure. Afraid at times, frustrated, worn out, anxious, neurotic, hypocritical, judgmental, sick, and stinking sinners that we are. We are still forgiven, gracefully welcomed, into the family through the one that has liberated us all with his own body and blood. Thanks be to God. Amen.